At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. John, since uh, UNS won't be around for at least the first two months of next year, does this impact the trade deadline, how you're going to approach the next week? Yeah, you know, as Steve asked, you know, the question about our plans moving forward, I don't think in the short term, no, we're not going to really make any radical changes um, based on this information uh, in the next few days, you know, trade deadlines on Tuesday. Uh, over the course of the next coming months and into the offseason, um, certainly, you know, we'll have to take this into consideration. But I, I don't really see anything changing in the next, you know, few days. <laughs> It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Thursday, July the 26th, 2018. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at MetsamorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Hope everybody's having a good Thursday morning. Not sure when you're picking this up, and uh, as I had promised earlier this year, Wanted to jump in with some of these quick podcasts, kind of a minier version of what we do on Sundays. And you're probably asking, well, where were you on Sunday? Well, it's been a wild, what, five or six days in Metsland, and you had the Sunday night baseball game. And truthfully, I wanted to see how things shook out because between the Cespedes situation, the media tantrum over the weekend, the Familia trade, uh, and then what was going on with the Yankees and their return for Zach Britton, a lot of that all played in together, and it really made for how I wanted to formulate this monologue, and and that's what this is going to be, a monologue, this show, and I wanted to see how things played out because I felt like, wow, this will go stale pretty quick, and if we had not had the ESPN Sunday game, which ultimately was rained out, you know, might have been a little bit different, I might have done things differently, but hopefully you enjoyed the, the segment I did at Mets 360 that I put up with Brian Jura. The last question actually got cut off, so I couldn't play the whole thing, but you got 98, 99%, probably 99% of the interview. So uh, check out Brian Jura at Mets360. Appreciate him having me on last week. Uh, of course, you had the WLIE show from the week before. Uh, that's up there. And uh, hopefully I have a chance to get to WLIE again in the near future. So not sure the next time I'll be there. Now, what are we doing here? 
Uh, trade deadline next week, the 31st. That's Tuesday. So the plan is this. 8 o'clock next Tuesday, uh, right now, and I'll tweet at it, go out and check at Mike Silva Media and, and go to MetsamorizedOnline.com. I'll probably do a trade deadline call-in show live. We did well with the call-in show, so we'll see how that goes. But let's get to the situation here at hand, and I'm, I'm trying to even figure out, I've been really thinking about how I'm going to start this. So I'll, I'll simply start this first in chronological order with before we get to Cespedes, which is the last part of this, which the trade of jury is familiar, which really surprised me, and it shouldn't be, the outrage and more importantly how the media is evaluating it because if you really look at Jerry's Familia and what his last two years have been, you should not be surprised that the Mets had to go out and possibly jump on an offer that on the surface looks like they got very little. Now, I would have loved to say that the Mets could get, because even though I, I, don't, I think Zach Britton's package wasn't anything overly special, it was better. But Zach Britton, at his peak, has been far more elite, even though he didn't navigate a postseason like Familia, than Familia. Uh, his injury, uh, which was a Achilles, is not as... I guess it's unpredictable, but it's 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 not something that you could say, well, he's got shoulder issues and what have you, or, or he's got an arm issue. And he's left-handed, which I think plays a lot into it, which is a big thing. Ironically enough, if you remember, when the Mets were looking to trade Ike Davis, there was always a rumor that the Orioles, who were interested in both Ike Davis and Lucas Duda, were willing to give up Zach Britton at the time for Ike, and the, and the Mets turned it down. They wound up trading him to Pittsburgh for minor league relievers that really, was Vic Black in that deal? Might have, I don't know. I think Vic Black was in that deal. I'd have to look back. Uh, it doesn't really matter right now. I'll look back at it all the time. But, so, you know, you're not, you're you're looking at what the, the Yankees got for, uh, what the Yankees gave up for Britain, uh, which wasn't a heck of a lot when you even consider their divisional rivals. Uh, good young pitchers, but nobody that's going to be, I think, guaranteed to be an impact player. And what the Mets got, which is interesting. So the Mets got Bobby Wall, a reliever, 26 years old, has had thoracic outlet syndrome just like Matt Harvey. Unlike Matt Harvey, seems to have come back, has regained his velocity and been even better. And, uh, you know, got the win in Vegas last night despite giving up a run. And we probably will see him up very shortly, within the next 30 days. Can he be a closer? Can he be impact? I don't know. But the Mets over the last two off-seasons, or in-season into off-season, have, have accumulated a good number of interesting high-end relievers. And if you're going to compete in today's game, you need to have a good bullpen. But some of that bullpen needs to be controllable, cost-controllable, and overplay, I guess, their salary. You've got Eric Hanhold. You've got Ryan Ryder. You see the Tyler Bachelor who they've uh, they drafted and are developing. Uh, Drew Smith uh, is another name that has come out there. Tim Peterson, I know that, that he pitched yesterday. Uh, he's a name uh, that, even though he's not a big pro- prospect, that, that's out there. Uh, so the Mets have a, a number of names that I think could be interesting part, and you could put Bobby Wall into that. Tofei, the third baseman, is, is, is an on-base guy, uh, potentially a starter a component player at a position that the Mets are a little bit weak on. Who knows? You know, maybe he develops, he becomes a trade chip later on. 
But Tofei, uh, not a terrible prospect. Uh, and, and there's some thought that he can develop power. Uh, that's really the one thing that, for being a third baseman, not having power is, 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 is a negative. But, you know, he fits what the Mets look for, which are guys that can get on base. Uh, defensively, he's not great. He's not terrible. And the most important part of the Mets uh, deal is the international money, which we can't evaluate this deal until you see what they do with the international money. And that almost is as important, if not more important, in developing and building a farm system these days than, than what they get in terms of players. So I, I really don't get the outrage over this because when I look at what the Yankees got uh, gave up, uh, they gave up Cody Carroll, who is very similar in my opinion, 25-year-old right-handed reliever, uh, high strikeout guy, walks a little bit high. He was uh, pitching in Scranton which is the International League, not the Pacific Coast League. And, and you could argue that Wall, in the Pacific Coast League, his environment is tougher. So I, I look at him very similar to, uh, to a guy like Wall. Josh Rogers, uh, to me, here's a guy that's starting down in Scranton, has a 3.95 ERA, uh, not a, a big strikeout guy. Uh, we'll see where that goes. He was a uh, an 11th-round pick. And, and then finally, the big name, which is Dylan Tate. That's who the Yankees got in the deal for Carlos Beltran a couple of years ago. He was the, and, and this is where I think everyone goes bananas because they, they get crazy about where people were picked. I'm throwing it out there, but they get crazy where people were picked. Oh, they gave the fourth overall pick from the 2015 draft. They got Zach Britton. The Mets, how can they not get, well, I mean, we'll see. The guy was in Trenton, uh, a pitcher's league, the Eastern League. Uh, his numbers are decent, uh, 3.5, uh, 3.38 ERA. Uh, you know, we'll see where this guy goes. That, that to me, is where the Orioles said, okay, we'll take this. I'll tell you this. Yeah, the Yankees need a reliever, and uh, I'm all about going for it now. And they have a 40-man roster crunch where they, they have prospects that they like that have value, and they don't have room for them. And good for them. They've They've got that. I think they also... Uh, are not stupid. The guys they're trading, the, the Tates of the world, the Yankees are trading the guys where they're not sure what they are. And they've done a good job. And the media works with the, uh, with, with teams on this because they get gaga over rankings. That's all we care about now is rankings. We don't we don't look at scouts or, you know, we could get six scouting reports. Three have one, three have another. But because the ranking is whatever, because Baseball America has, them, uh, you know, the 59th best prospect or whatever it may be. Uh, we get, you know, that's all we look at, which which is totally wrong. So I don't think, I mean, the Orioles did well. The guy's a, a rental, and that's the key point. The rental market, amazingly enough, because exactly what happened before the stat guys became the norm in front offices, which is thought processes that became in, in, inbred throughout the league, and you'd say, well, this doesn't make sense, but because everybody was doing it, because everybody was 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 trained and grew up a certain thought process. Uh, the stack guys used to try to break people out of that to look at things differently. Now we have the opposite, where they create all these valuations that, you know, I think somewhat are arbitrary, even though there could be numbers attached to it. And we sit around and we do the same thing, just with a different group of ideologues. That's 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 really what this comes down to. So everybody now can't get anything for a rental, and the Mets, because of this mindset, are saving themselves selves on Saturday. Well, we better jump on an offer. J.P. Ricciardi has a relationship with Billy Bean. I think the international money, the ability, it's not that they were getting money, the ability to spend that extra money means there must be a plan. Uh, Fred Wilpon puts a ton of trust, and I will tell you, he puts a ton of trust, and he's listening a lot to Omar these days. 
So keep that in mind when deals and decisions are made. He, I, I firmly believe he never wanted to fire Omar back in 2010. Uh, a confluence of, of situations back then, and he was rightfully fired, and he was ill-suited to be an executive running an operation. Omar is a good component of an organization. He shouldn't be the face of an organization. Uh, played into that. That's a story for another time. So the outrage over the Mets' return for Familia in a market where rentals are not thought of as highly, where they're always going to leverage rental A versus what I could get from another team, a pitcher in Familia that had blood clot surgery, uh, had some shoulder soreness earlier this year. If you look at the splits, he's not been great against left-handers. He's been dominant against righties, not great against lefties. Yes, he has the postseason pedigree. Got them to a World Series. He has a lot of miles from 2015 and 2016. And I like Familia, and I thought he got uh, unfairly banged uh, by the media and the fans for the World Series in 2015. That World Series had... Familia was put in in Game 4 and Game 5. Tough situations. And he's not necessarily a swing and miss reliever. He's more of a ground ball reliever. And he had been used a lot at that point. And he used the night before on, on Friday night before game three in a, in a game where the Mets was so spooked by their bullpen and the Royals that they didn't think that uh, anybody not named Familia could hold a, a six-run lead. So I can't blame him for that. But, uh, you know, things that's how things go. When you blow saves in big spots, all people look at is that you didn't get the job done. So to compare Britain and Familia is unfair. Uh, when you start to look at the return, it's not that bad. And it's funny because everybody pays attention to what certain writers say, which oh, all these scouts say that it's a, well, these organizations are angry about the return. How can the Mets do this? Well, they're angry because they probably wanted him, and they lowballed initially, and they didn't get him, and now they're like upset. So they use the media as a pulpit to you know bash the organization. If you wanted the guy. And this was important. Yes, you negotiate. You shouldn't just go and give the farm away. But if you know they're looking to move the guy, make your best offer. Stop the games. Really. You know, the Orioles wanted to move Britain. They got a, what they felt was a fair package for, from the Yankees. And the Yankees, to give them credit on the one point, it's not, it's not the greatest package in the world, but they probably could have squeezed the Orioles a little bit more. But they wanted the player. And they weren't going to run the risk that the same thing was going to happen. And a lot of what these other teams are also, if they're not a team that wanted Familia, why they're mad is due to the fact that they might have a pitcher that they want to trade and they want to get the best return possible. So everybody's got an agenda here. And some members of the media are going to go for the people with agenda A. I've seen reports from both mainstream and some independent media out there that, that, that there are those who thought it wasn't a terrible haul. And if Wall contributes, because I still stay on record that I think this team needs to put a plan in place to compete next year in 2020. And I know what you're saying. That's You've been saying that pre-Cespedes, so we'll get to that. Wall could be a guy that maybe he's the closer. Who knows? I don't know. And, you know, he's not up yet. And he's not on the well, he's on the forty man, I believe. I, uh, I have to see. I have to check that. I don't think he's on the forty man yet. Um. So you know, to me, that you got to just like calm down a little bit, and and he'll be up, just like McNeil will start playing. It's not the end of the world right now. Do I think it's annoying that the the the, the, the not, that he's not starting at third base? Yes, but it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. You got everything right now. Amazing to me is the end of the world. Really is. Now, Bobby Wall, from what I see here, Bobby Wall's not yet on the on the 40-man roster. 
so that that's something the Mets are going to have to address, and they will. I mean, there's there'll be there'll be trades, there'll be injuries, and, and things like that, and and they'll uh, they'll, they'll they'll get him on the forty man. He'll be up here soon, and away we go. So that's where I stand. The familiar trade. There's more to come. Uh, I expect to see a Cabrera trade. I'm not sure what they are going to do with Zach Wheeler, though. With a market of pitching. Uh, out there and and some teams need depth the Mets might be able to look at Wheeler and 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 take what maybe a little bit of fool's gold and that's really where their Italian evaluators have to go is is Zach Wheeler fool's gold is he really a solid number three or a high-end number four that could help them next year and then potentially if things are are bad they could trade him on a rental which is now going to be a very very difficult decision because the rental market, who the hell knows where that's going? Everybody's squeezing you. Um, so they have to decide that. And 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 that's something that has to happen in the next few days because Wheeler's not a guy I think that would get through waivers. And then when someone claims him, you either trade him to that team, and, and that's where leverage completely goes away. So, so that's where we're at with the trade. Uh, the media tantrum when it comes to the Mets communication is quite funny. What And it, it leads me into Cespedes and what's going on. There's three components. There's the media tantrum and the agenda. There's the the current setup of the GM, which, although I don't think these are bad guys, Rick Chardy, Rico, and Amanaya, when you have a committee, you're always going to have situations where communication is clumsy. Um, let me start with the media. The media was upset over the weekend with the Mets not talking about Cespedes on Saturday because they want, because the media wants, when they demand something, they want everybody to jump. Because it's about them and their story, and and in a lot of ways they got this. They got actually multiple days of content because the Mets did that. Because by not talking on Saturday, the story wasn't about just Cespedes and the Mets handling the injury and how this happened, but it was the Mets' response. So they got the day of response. Then they had the day of the Mets' response, which was Sunday, and then there was a handling on Saturday, the response on Sunday, and then two to three days of speculation about Cespedes' health. So they got about three or five, three to five days of content out of this. So they got what they should be happy. But the only reason the media was mad is because they weren't talked to and they felt the Mets, because traditionally the Mets are not really great with the media. They didn't get, they, they got a response which was very much like, hey, take a walk, we'll get to you when we get to you. And they don't like that. So that's what this was about. There wasn't any actual reporting that said, okay, there's a problem here. The problem with three GMs is that when you and, and it's a no different setup because these are the same guys in Omar's a recent one that worked for Sandy Alderson. Sandy Alderson before he became sick, because Sandy was off this year. He was always very good at controlling the message. Maybe the way he did it with dry humor and lawyerly responses, and it certainly annoyed me. Wasn't always great, but the media was at arm's length. And they didn't like that either because Sandy didn't give them. And I know for a fact, because I had spoken to an agent many years ago, that Sandy doesn't even like to give preferential treatment to members of the media. And that annoyed them pretty early on because that's where the sourcing and being the first to a story comes into play. So the difference here is you have three guys that were working for the organization already, but those guys were part of Sandy Alderson's group. Every team has it. And then Sandy would be the clearinghouse for information. They don't have Sandy Alderson now. Now these three guys are talking. They got to go to ownership. You have two owners, really. You have Jeff and Fred. You have a, a, a middle-aged guy, young, the son, who says, has a completely different mindset than the 81-year-old patriarch. 
So response time is going to be uh, shortened or, or excuse me, lengthened. And uh, in a lot of ways, the timing, you know, Cespedes comes out at 11 o'clock on Friday. They have a one o'clock game the next day. They, I guarantee you, and we'll get to why they didn't know, they weren't. They may have known that he was having a little bit of pain in his heels, and they probably wanted to see how manageable it was. They weren't expecting him to come out and say anything. But Cespedes is ticked off because, and I'm part of this, because I was wondering a little bit, is he dogging it? Tired of being accused of of not hustling and not playing hard and, and not wanting to be out on the field. So he finally said, hell with this. I'm going to tell them what's going on. And that's where this all spiraled for the Mets. The question about Cespedes' heels is when they made the decision to sign Cespedes, which everybody, the first signing and the second signing, nobody thought it was a bad thing. And if they had not signed Cespedes either time, ownership would have been grilled and tarred and feathered by uh, the media. They would have been. Did they know about the heels? I'm sure. I'm, I'm guessing they said with the with the with his age and the fact that he's been managing it, uh, you know, maybe they get burnt on the last year of the contract, but they needed him and they could go out and compete and win with him in the short term. And it is really, from a standpoint of contracts, it's a four-year deal. It's not, uh, it's not like they signed him for eight years or seven years. So they, they may have been a little bit more lax with some of that. My real question is that Mike Barwish, who has come under fire here, rightfully so, has been with and overseeing. That's fact, because they they came they came out with this, the Mets. Uh, he has been overseeing Cespedes the whole time. The whole time. So he's the guy that's running this, you know, Mets training and, and, and performance, and he's uh, he's an advisor of, of strength and coordination at, with the Mets. Did he know and how well did he communicate that? And if you really want to boil it down to the questions you have about why certain injuries are happening, happening, why things are happening, or there's miscommunication on medicals, it has to. He has to be questioned as part of it. Now, Barwis is a sensitive guy. He's blocked me on Twitter. He's blocked a bunch of riders. I mean, he knows that. So he's 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 as thin-skinned as they get. I'm not, you know, we've had our buddy Chris from Metsmorized Online, who played played college sports and has a whole bunch of issues with Barwis. But that's where the real investigation should be. That's where the media should go. Now, other than Kevin Kernan, nobody's really jumped on that. And, and, and I think that's where we have to look more because if he knew or he's been overlooking this guy's rehab, then why were these calcified heels not part of, hey, this is a problem? Unless the Mets were just hoping and praying that it would get better with whatever method that they, they were trying to use, rest, whatever, first base. The guy... And, if you remember watching Mets games, Cespedes always looked gimpy and in pain, even when he was turning it on and, and athletically running the bases. There's always that feeling that he was off from the day he got here. So this has probably been a problem. You have to take chances on free agency. You can't, you know, there's always athletes. Every player has some kind of ache and pain, and it's the level of risk that's associated with the uh underlying injury because they're all hurt um that you have to make that judgment nobody's a completely healthy player right now there's no pitcher that doesn't have shoulder uh, aches and pains or 
elbow aches and pains. There's you, you take an MRI, there's things going on in there. The human body's not meant to throw a baseball like that. The human body's not meant to be banged around in the middle infield. Just not. It's going to eventually, like a car that gets driven to 100, 120, 130, 150,000 miles, it's going to start to have nicks. And that's what the part of it is. So I think that that's, that's where this whole Cespedes thing goes. It's, it, I think it goes back to the Barris situation. Now, can the Mets compete in 2019 and 2020? Which right now, you don't have... The, what I've been doing is talking about the Mets competing in the context, context of having a healthy impact bat in Cespedes. And that's not going to happen now. I don't want to hear all-star break. I don't want to hear any of the best-case scenarios. You have to go into 2019 assuming that you do not have any Ioannis Cespedes at all. And in a lot of ways, I think it's a relief because part of the problem with this team in building this team the last couple of off-seasons has been that Cespedes is going to be that bat that's there in the middle, and he has not been there. This team is averaging less than four runs a game. There's only three or four teams in all of baseball that are worse. Even if they were league, in their pitching as a whole, in totality, has not been league average. And I and and I haven't broken the numbers down, bullpen and starter, but I feel a little bit of bullpen cleaning up. Starters, I've always felt, are are good enough to be elite and compete with the top teams in the league. You need to get yourself a solid veteran fifth starter in that scenario, and hopefully, guys like Corey Oswalt and Justin Dunn and some other young arms could develop over the next six to twelve months and be uh, and, and create better depth. But I think the pitching, something that would cost a lot of money and be difficult to fix, is there. I think the offense is far more fixable. You're not going to go out unless you sign Manny Machado or Brian, uh, Bryce Harper and get an impact bat in the same sphere of what you got from Cespedes. But you can build with responsible short-term contracts a decent offensive team, and that's what they need. A decent team that has uh, maybe a more diversified offensive team that doesn't just rely on the long ball and plotting players and a better defensive team. Because as good as one of their best offensive players this year, Estrubal Cabrera, has been, he's awful defensively. His range is awful. And you don't need to look at defensive runs saved on fan graphs to know that. Just watch a game and look at it. Watch how many balls he just misses. And that's not because of lack of hustles, because he doesn't have the ability to have that range. So uh, nothing to me has changed where I feel this Cespedes injury says the Mets should go out and blow this thing up and not try to compete and win in 2019 and 2020, which f- falls into the DeGrom timeline. And I still think they should sign DeGrom to an extension. What I worry about is that ownership is going to get spooked now from any long-term contracts and not sign anybody, not take any risks, because they've gotten burnt now in the last two long-term contracts. David Wright and Cespedes. Wright, to a certain degree, was bad luck. I don't know what kind of underlying sten- stenosis test they could have done uh, back when he signed the contract. And I've said on this that in hindsight, and I felt that back then I was going to be, it was always for me, I felt, if, I thought they were going to invest in the team back then. See, if you want to talk about them not investing, they did not invest in 2012 and 2013 in those years. They let those teams, 2011, die in the vine. And if that was the plan, and I, and I do believe that they were in far worse financial situation then with the Madoff just happening than they are now, that's when they should have blown it up and gone Chicago, uh, Cub, Houston Astro, bad, which would have been painful, which would have annoyed me seeing Wright go and Reyes go, but they didn't. 
And if they didn't do it then, I don't think they're going to do it now. But what you don't want to happen is that now ownership says, and I could see this with Fred uh, Wilpon more so than Jeff. Well, now we have to just go with short, you know, Jay Bruce three, four-year contracts. Look, you'll get good players. You won't get elite players. The fact you got Cespedes on a four-year deal, maybe this injury stuff was part of it. But there were other teams that were going to jump in there. Don't don't be fooled. You know, good players like a Machado, like a Harper, even uh, players not at that level, like that are just very good, might require five, six, seven-year deals. Elite pitchers like DeGrom are going to require five-year deals. And look, I, I love a world where pitchers don't get more than three years and offensive players don't get more than four or five years. You did that with Cespedes, and, you know, you still have run the risk of it being painful financially. As far as the team not being able to compete, yes. If you look at next year's payroll, if the Mets do not reinvest, let's just say they don't reinvest any insurance money. The Mets already are on the hook for $92.5 million dollars in payroll next year that's without any arbitration they have darno flores syndergaard uh, mats conforto's now eligible for arbitration plowicki uh guys like that there's a number jacob de is still arbitration eligible and he's making 7.9 million dollars you have to think that uh there's going to be a probably i would think another 15 to 20 million dollars you know because of the fact that mainly because de and syndergaard are, are going to get raises here. Uh, there has to be. Maybe 15. Maybe I'm going a little bit aggressive. Uh, there has to be more. So you're looking at probably about $105 million to $110 million in liability off the bat. If you keep the payroll around 150 that gives you about $40 million to spend. You're not going to be able to go after Machado and Harper. I don't expect them to. And I don't think, as much as I'd love to see them go after Machado, Harper I'm a little bit more concerned about. That's probably not enough in today's day and age where good players are getting you know, 18 to $20 million. You're going to have to reinvest on the insurance. And right, fortunately, Wright's money is now starting to go down. They smartly made it less in the back half of the contract. Cespedes is still going to be at $29 million. So if you're recouping 50 to 75% of that money, uh, that's where the key lies. The key lies with can the Mets take another $20 million or so, dollars, let's say, in insurance payback because of the injuries. Uh, and we're just we're assuming that Suspense is going to be out the whole year. He might not be. And put that back into the franchise. And if they do, yeah, I think they can win. And I'm not going to go and outline every move I think they make, they should make. But there are players out there. And I think with this staff, uh, with going out and seeing what you could get uh, for, you know, for what you have left here, maybe even looking at listening to deals for uh, a Wheeler. And I would listen. If someone comes to you with a DeGrom or Syndicard deal, you listen. But it better be locked down solid because I really believe you can compete and win in this game today with two wild cards, with a team that has that kind of starting pitching in a short series, with, a, with an offense that is more diversified, better defensive focus, and who knows what big-name player comes out of it. And we are relying a little bit, too, and we haven't talked about what's Peter Alonso. Uh, McNeil, to me, eventually you have to think that his role is going to be, let's use a, a Mark DeRosa. That's a usual kind of role used for someone who could play a lot of positions and has a decent bat. I don't know if he's going to be an everyday impact player. We'll see. Let's, you know, He'll get at bats in August and September. Alonzo's the guy because if Alonzo could come up and be a 30-plus home run threat 
and not be a total strikeout guy. You know, the guy that pops a home run every once in a while hits 200. I mean, that that that's the fear that I think I have about Alonzo is that because you see a little bit of that in AAA. He's going to strike out a lot, hit, you know, a, a buck 90, 200, have mammoth home runs every once, you know, every 15, 20 at-bats. And everyone's going to get excited because everyone loves home runs. But to me, that's that's not a great... I mean, that's why everyone goes gaga about Greg Bird. I'm like, he's not that great. And Alonzo's not that great defensively either based on the report. So, but if he's a guy that could hit 250, you know, get on base, uh, be a power bat in the middle of the lineup. Now you got a guy making a league minimum doing that. That changes the entire dynamic. There's your impact bat. And you can go out and see how the market develops. Are there teams looking to trade? Uh, you know, the Mets' lower farm system has some interesting players. You've got guys like Jimenez. You've got some interesting arms at Anthony Kay and Justin Dunn and David Peterson. So there are things here. Uh, they're moving back east to Syracuse, so it'll help, it'll help them with evaluating some of their talent uh, closer to home. Uh, so I'm, I, the Cespedes situation does not change a lot for me. It does make you think, hey, at least... The possibility, because they'll be bringing probably another GM in that hasn't been here, that a rebuild is going to happen. I think that goes up a little bit, and it really is going to depend on ownership and whether ownership says, I just can't eat this money. I have an issue with it. I don't right now want to reinvest on more long-term deals. Uh, if somebody comes up, an A.J. Pollock, a D.J. LeMay, who I'm concerned, they're scared about giving a 30-year-old DeGrom a five-year extension. And if that's the case, then yeah, then you have to blow the thing up because if, if you're just going to sit around and think that every free agent's going to go bad, well, Carlos Beltran, he had injuries, but he, he he earned his money throughout that contract. If you look at any kind of statistical valuation, he earned that contract. So, uh, and David Wright, it, it was a freak thing. And, and with Cespedes to a certain degree... You haven't gotten your money's worth on uh, the back end of these contracts, but it was the risk that was worth taking at that time at a contract that was for who Cespedes was for them and the impact that he could provide was very reasonable. So so that's where we're at. Um, Look, don't let the media incite you. These returns for Familia are not that bad. Uh, I know that you wanted more. But start peeling the onion. Look at what Familia is. Get past the playoffs. And, and we'll also see. We'll see what they do with the international money. We'll see what happens with the rest of the market. I think you're going to be very surprised with, with some of the pitchers uh, fetch. You're going to be very surprised what teams are willing to give up or sell you on what is value. Very surprised. Uh, don't listen to the media tantrums. Yes, I think the Mets handled the communication poorly. But that's inevitable when you don't have somebody in place. And you cannot just shove somebody in front. If you don't have a GM, you know, the situation with Sandy Alderson was unavoidable. He probably was a guy that was going to step down at the end of the year. That was his intention, but he got sick enough where he couldn't do that. Um, and then Cespedes, to me, it do, I have to wait and see. I'm more open to a rebuild than maybe I was just a week ago, but I still believe that that's the easy cop-out. There is a way, and it won't harm you from continuing to replenish the farm system and develop and draft properly, because you're going to have a high draft pick again next year. There's no reason why you can't compete in 1920. There's no reason why the only way to rebuild is to go the way the Astros and the Cubs and totally go bad, because there's no guarantee 
that every one of those guys you get picked or every prospect you bring in on a trade for your big names is going to pan out or be impact like those that you give away. And 30-year-old elite pitchers, uh, upside arms like Wheeler and, DeGr- and, and Mats and Syndergaard, you just do not give those guys away because what you're trying to do is get them back. You're never going to see the Mets at the same time get high upside pitchers in one shot like they did with these guys. And I'll put Harvey uh, and the old Harvey into that equation. It's never going to happen again. Very lucky. Very lucky how it happened to the Mets. It didn't work out exactly like they planned, but they got to a World Series with that. All right, that's it. I uh, hope you enjoyed this shortened version of the Talking Mets podcast. Not as short. It's not all that much shorter if we had a guest. Um, stay tuned, like I said, next Tuesday, the 31st, uh, live call-in show. I'm planning for about 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for that. Uh, We'll see what happens with the trade deadline and what's going on with some deals. So stay tuned for what's going to be happening on Sunday. I'm working on some guests. We'll see what Sunday brings. I'm really playing it by ear because of the time of the year that it is. And uh, let's let's keep it going. Keep uh, keep checking me out over at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Of course, you can check me out on Twitter at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, whatever podcasting service you desire. Always uh, work with our buddies over at Metsmarize Online. Really good stuff. So I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Enjoy the rest of your week. Hope you enjoyed this modified version of the Talking Mets podcast, this little State of the Union midweek. We'll be back with more Talking Mets podcasts on its usual slot later next week. Take care, everybody. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.